0: What's up everyone, my name is Michael and welcome to my podcast where we talk about all things health, wealth, and self-improvement. If you are ready to master your life and reach new heights, then stay tuned for today's episode. All right. How's it going, everybody? Hope you are having a wonderful day so far. Today's podcast episode, I want to talk about a book that I recently finished. I know, I know, um, never really used to be a reader. And then all of a sudden, like a year and a half ago, two years ago, when I first started out on this self-improvement, personal development, personal growth journey. I really started reading, and that I found was uh, one of the best things that I ever did for myself. So, a book that I recently finished, The Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey. Normally, I'm a person I love reading self help, self improvement. I decided to venture off into the uh, finance niche, and I gotta be completely honest like, this book was absolutely amazing. It was mind-blowing to me just how easy of a concept the seven baby steps are but yet so many people constantly find themselves in debt and that's something in my life I'm trying to get away from you know I I'm in a very fortunate position don't get me wrong I have an amazing life I've had basically life handed to me on a silver platter but after college after buying a car I've still found A way to be like $47,000 in debt. Now I'm trying to repay that. And a lot of that is due to the fact that I read this book. And I wanted to gain financial independence, I wanted to gain control of my life, I want to live debt free. And so I just thought that I would share my overall take on the book itself, what I'm doing to, you know, really live debt free or to live that frugal lifestyle. Uh, One of the quotes that really resonates with me in Dave Ramsey's uh, Total Money Makeover is, you have to be willing to live like nobody else in order to live like nobody else. So what that means is there's going to be a period of time that you're going to have to make sacrifices. You're going to have to say no to certain things, but it's so that you can live like nobody else in the future. So many Americans are in debt today. I think 90 plus percent of students who go to college do so using student loans. And there's like, there's nothing wrong with college. I'm a firm believer in higher education and I'm an individual who used student loans. Part of me now wishes I would have worked harder in college so I didn't have to have student loans. My parents paid for the majority of my college, but even then, you know, There are still expenses and I wasn't one of the individuals who necessarily worked hard in college. I mean, obviously, I worked hard academically, but when it uh, comes to having a job, I took all of that pretty, uh, pretty lax. And so I came out of college with thirty four thousand dollars in debt, got a full time job, was super happy that I uh, was blessed enough to get a corporate job coming out of college After two years of that, I uh, tacked on a car payment, sold the car, six months later bought another car, so ended up about $16,000 in debt there. Obviously, you've paid, or I've paid some of it off, but a lot of it, like, interest, that is just the name of the game. Student loans, I think student loans, I've probably, my balance now is probably higher than when I first started, and a lot of that is due to interest. So just having that recollection of, like, man, I am forking over more money than it was worth. That's what's getting me to really focus on paying back all of this debt. And as Dave Ramsey says, you know, there's, there are really seven baby steps. What I like about Dave Ramsey, by the way, is the fact that he's been there twice. He's been bankrupt twice and, you know, he's been a millionaire in his 20s lost it all, became a millionaire again, lost it all and now he finally took back his life and his essentially built like a financial empire. The man pays cash for everything. Like if he can't if he can't pay cash for something, he's not going to buy it and that's something that a lot of Americans need to do, not just Americans, but a lot of people around the world need to do more of. Like if you can't afford something, pay cash for it. I don't know how people out there can have multiple credit cards with thousands of dollars in debt, have a car payment, have student loans, have a mortgage. Like, having student loans and having a car payment is already enough stress for me. I cannot imagine having any more debt. So, you know, the sad reality is I'm not, like, I'm the minority there. A lot of people do have credit card debt. A lot of people do have multiple student loans some people have hundreds of thousands of dollars of student loans then you have kids then you have a mortgage then you have numerous car payments and when it comes down to it like if something happens where are you going to put or where are you going to get that money a lot of people don't think about that so they just put it on a credit card a credit card doesn't mean that you're not going to have to pay it back a credit card means you're going to have to pay back whatever you spend and you're also going to have to pay back interest so you're going to be paying more money than something is worth So the book really covers seven baby steps. And these are the baby steps to financial freedom. The first baby step is to have a $1,000 emergency fund. There are going to be circumstances in life that are going to pile up. You know, your car could break down. You would have to get that replaced. Uh, You might, you know, I mean, there's just so many instances that could happen. Medical issues might arise where, if you put that onto a credit card, that's not really going to get you out of the hole. That's not going to get you towards living a debt free life. So, the first step towards living a financially independent life is to secure a $1,000 emergency fund so that if something does come up, you're not uh, putting it onto a credit card. You know, you're going to be able to afford it, you're going to be able to replace it. And then if You know, you tap into that $1,000 emergency fund, you just replenish it, your next paycheck. The second baby step to help you get out of debt is to pay off all of your debt except for your home using the debt snowball method. So the debt snowball method, really what it's meant to do, it's meant to help you build motivation to paying off your debt. The concept is pretty simple. You start out with your lowest debt, pay it off, build motivation, then start tackling Uh, the larger pieces of debt that you have. The reason that this is beneficial, so you're not going to want to start taking on a monster head on right away because you're probably going to look at yourself and be like, man, this is going to be incredibly challenging. I don't know how I'm going to make it through. Revert back to old habits, give up. We've all been there. We've all done that. But once you start taking the baby steps and no pun intended there, tackling your smaller pieces of debt saying, hey, this is something that I can actually achieve you're going to be more motivated to tackle on the remaining debt that you have. So that's something that I recommend. Like I have I think 16 like I said $16,000 in car debt and then 37,000 or 31,000 in student loans. My first piece is going to be the car because if I can pay off the car, I'm going to be more motivated to pay off the student loans knowing that hey, this is actually possible. If I start with student loans, it doesn't mean that I'm not going to pay off the car. But it's going to take a lot longer. And, you know, the odds of me staying motivated throughout the process are going to decrease significantly. So if you have numerous debts out there, tackle the smallest one first. Build that momentum. You know, gain strength and then just go all in. You have nothing to lose and it's really going to help set you up for a better future the third baby step that ramsey covers is saving three to six months of expenses in a fully funded emergency fund uh this is you know once you get to this baby step so once you pay off your debt except for your house This is kind of an add-on on On top of the $1,000 in debt. It's, you know, have a little bit more security than that $1,000. So if you are somebody who makes $75,000 a year or above, he recommends, you know, having six months of your pay saved up. That way, you know, in case you do lose your job, in case something happens, you have that security. If you're making less than $75,000, Ramsey suggests having three months worth of your income saved up that way again in case something does happen you're going to be able to survive you know there's going to be a lot more things that you can cut back on if you have uh you know if you're making $75,000 or less you know you can cancel subscriptions all of that stuff really does add up whereas if you are making over $75,000 Odds are your bills are probably going to be a little bit more extensive. You might have lived a luxurious lifestyle previously. And so just having that extra security is going to help ease any of the stress of paying off debt. So the fourth baby step is to invest 15% of your household income in retirement. And again, these baby steps go in order. So you need to complete one in order to move on to the next. So this is like after you have started a $1,000 emergency fund paid off all of your debt, except your home using the debt snowball, saved three to six months of expenses. Only then should you invest in a 15 or or, sorry, only then should you invest 15% of your household income into retirement. I'm not gonna lie, I kind of jumped the gun on this one. I have always been really interested in finance. And I didn't know this too. like, one of the reasons I always struggled with You know, putting money into the stock market or investing my money because I kept on losing it. I could not find the right stock to save my life, and so Ramsey talks a lot about mutual funds. And when you think mutual funds, like the one that I do now, is the S and P 500. Essentially, what that is, it is the top 500 companies in America, all in one mutual fund, so that you know, if one company tanks or has a really bad quarter the entire fund itself isn't going to necessarily drop. Over the course of history, the yearly return on the S&P 500 has been 8%. So 8% per year, just to give you a little bit of, you know, insight as to what that looks like. So let's say, you know, hypothetically, you were to buy a home. No, actually, we'll get into that later. So let's say you have $50,000, $50,000, and you put that into the S&P 500. Over the course of 15 years at an 8% return, that number is going to grow to $158,609. That's without investing another penny. If you have your initial investment at $50,000, just leave it there and let history do the rest. As the S&P 500 has had, um, you know, like I said, an eight percent yearly return on average. And granted, there are going to be some years that are better than others. You know, one year might be six percent, another year might be ten percent, so forth. Over the course of fifteen years, by just letting that money sit there you could have $158,609. That is crazy. And that's really what took me by surprise. Like I had been so scared of investing. I had no idea what I was doing. It wasn't until I did a little bit more research, and this is something that gave me comfort because I had invested in these companies previously, although I can never really seem to time the market. With this, you don't need to time the market because history has constantly repeated itself, showing that year to year you're going to get an 8% return. Is this guaranteed? Again, no. But it is a strong play, and it's a play that, you know, in 15, 30 years can really help to build wealth. You know, so, I mean, get into Roth RIAs, put that $6,000 into your Roth IRA at the beginning of the year. Let that accumulate, you know, cap out at your 401k and then whatever else is there, put it into a mutual fund. Really set yourself up for success in your future. This isn't to say that you should just not live in the moment and only live for the future. No, do both. Live for the moment, but also be smart. The likelihood of you reaching retirement is pretty high. And so you want to be smart with your decisions now So that once you reach that time, you're not having to struggle. You're not having to fight your way through life like you have for the last 67 years. So invest 15% of your household income into retirement. The, oh man, I think this is the fifth baby step, is to save for your children's college fund. I would not have gotten through college. I would not have received the education that I had if it weren't for my parents. Like, What my parents did for me and paying, essentially they paid 75% of my college. And I went to a private college and so tuition was around $35,000 a year. I came out of school only having one year's worth of debt. I am incredibly, incredibly lucky. And that's something that going through that experience and knowing what it's like as a college student, Having to stay on top of your academics and still coming up with debt. I want to do whatever it is that I can do in my power to help set my kids up for success so that they don't have to pay debt. And I mean, maybe they pay one year like I did, whatever that might be. I want to give my children the opportunity that my parents gave me. And so a lot of that comes like my parents are my best friends, they've helped me so much in life, far more than college, Um, but, you know, higher education, it's not to say you need to go to college in order to succeed in this world, but a lot, I mean, there are so many benefits to going to college. I think everybody has, you know, education is for everybody. The programs are going to differentiate, going to a four-year college, going to a trade school, whatever, all of that doesn't matter, but If you really want to succeed, you have to continue your education in one way or another, whether it's constantly reading books, whether it's doing certificate programs, going to a four-year degree, master's, doctoral, whatever that might look like. Education is how you're going to grow as a person. And so to have that security to be able to provide for your kids, that's something that I personally look forward to. You know, I, I want to be able to give my kids half of what my parents have given me over the course of my life. And I think a good starting step would be, uh, you know, really just helping to get them through college. So that is the fifth baby step. The sixth baby step is to pay off your home early. This is where we're going to get into homes and housing. 15-year mortgages versus a 30-year mortgage. So I've done a little bit of research. Let's say you do, um, let's see here. The total worth of your home is $200,000. You put down a 20% down payment, so it's going to be $40,000. Let's say the interest rate, hypothetically speaking, for the 15 and the 30-year, I know they're going to fluctuate, or like, you know, one's going to be higher, one's going to be lower, Um, but let's just say it's at 3.4% for both. The monthly payment for the 15-year loan is going to be $1,136. The monthly payment for the 30-year loan is going to be $710. Total cost. This is after the down payment, after the principal, after the interest. The total cost for a home valued at $200,000 on a 15-year loan is $244,475. So you are paying in interest $44,000. $475 $475 that numbers a lot but just wait until we get into the 30-year loan so the 30-year loan yeah you're gonna have a you know it's gonna be $400 less a month but if you put down the same $40,000 have the same 3.4% interest rate uh, you know you're again you're gonna have the lower monthly payment but over the course of 30 years You're going to be paying $295,445 on a home that is valued at $200,000. That is what interest can do to you if you do not manage it. You are paying $95,445 just in interest over the course of 30 years. If you were to put that money... So let's take the difference between the 15-year... In 30-year, you're going to pay off your home in 15 years. What could you do with that extra $50,000? Probably put it in a mutual fund for an additional 15 years, which instead of having to pay an additional $50,000 in interest by the time you were to finish your 30-year mortgage, you're going to be banking on $159,000 in a mutual fund. How does that sound? And that's something that really you have to look at the numbers in order to justify it. Do like a side-by-side comparison. That alone has got me more motivated to pay off my debt really than anything. And I was like, man, I have the ability right now to pay off my car and to pay off a good portion of my student loans. I'm right now basically just paying interest. This makes absolutely no sense. Because instead of saving money and probably like investing that money and earning money, I am paying interest, a lot of interest when I don't need to be. That is just the con of paying interest, doing all of these different loans, and really buying what you can't afford. Credit cards, some of them have like, what, 25-30% interest on them? Like, that's just mind-boggling to me. Student loans have interest at, you know, I think it's like 10 year, 15 years, uh, they have to pay them back. But I guess what I'm trying to say is stay away from interest. It's not going to do you any good. You might be thinking to yourself, yeah, but I'm going to get a lower payment now. Um, I'm only going to have to pay a few hundred dollars a month. But really, whether it's a car, whether it's going to school, you're going to be paying that back plus some when you could be you know, paying upfront or buying only what you can afford and then investing the rest of your money to build wealth for your future. That's something that like, the more I'm starting to focus on, the more I'm believing in that. And that's scary. So that's like why I'm so motivated now to pay back that getting into all of these financial books and really just learning. So the seventh and final baby step is to build wealth and to give. Again, this is it's important. It's important to give back to others. And that doesn't mean you have to go around giving everybody $100 bills, you know, give your time, give to charities, just be grateful for the blessings that you have, be grateful for the life that you're living, and then give back to others so you can help other people, you know, embrace that feeling of financial independence that you got. Like, that's, that's the ultimate end goal is to have that feeling of being completely completely debt-free being able to do whatever you want in life whenever you want like that is what it's all about and to be able to give that to others and give back for all that you've been blessed with i mean there's there's no better feeling than giving there's no better feeling than being able to put a smile on somebody else's face and so that's that's the last baby step that's what it's all about it's about taking control of your life and helping other people take control of theirs as well and I just want to end this by giving you guys one quick tidbit of information. So I wanted to define really what really define what wealth was. I wanted to look at what makes somebody wealthy and I found that 99% of the world is living on less than $37,500 a year. I don't know about you, but if I lived on thirty seven thousand five hundred dollars or less, I honestly would kind of see myself as a failure. And it's not to say that that's bad or anything. I'm just so consumer oriented. Like I'll admit it. I love buying things. I, you know, have gone to college. I have this debt. And so if I weren't able to afford the lifestyle that I'm living, you'd kind of take away from it and be like, okay, what could I have done differently? What could I be doing? Why am I not amounting to, you know, the four-year education that I received to all of the blessings that my parents have given me? But, I don't know, I just, I found that to be crazy that 99% of the world lives on less than $37,500 a year. You would not think that by the consumer-based lifestyle that many of us have adapted over the course of our lives. But that just goes to show that you don't need to spend money in order to have a good life. 99% of the world has probably a really good life. And they do so without needing money. Money is only a temporary fix for happiness. It is only a way to make yourself feel better about your current circumstances. Half of this... No, not half. The majority of the stuff that we buy we completely forget about in a matter of a few days. Why not save that money? Why not invest that money into our future so that we can actually start enjoying more of our lives instead of having to work away only to go out and buy the latest and greatest shoes, technology, whatever that might be. So I encourage you to reflect a little bit. Just reflect on what are some ways that you could cut back? What are some ways that you could start living more of a debt-free life And what are some ways, like, things that you can cut back on? And how can you invest more of your money? Really, it's about paying back what isn't yours. You have the right to buy anything that you want, but if you can't afford it, it is not yours. Therefore, don't buy it. Cut up your credit cards. If you cannot manage your credit cards, and if you find yourself constantly in the hole with a balance, cut them up they're not going to do you any good use debit cards pay cash having cash like I would only carry cash for the longest time and it's because it really made me focus on what I was actually buying like I would go into a store with $20 and I would sit there just being like okay what can I afford with $20 what do I need versus what do I want so if you can pay cash or pay debit cards you're really going to avoid a lot of the temptation that comes with like Amazon's one-click shopping cart. All of that stuff. We've we've all done that before. But yeah, you're gonna be avoiding a lot of the temptations. So I don't know. Overall, this book really just opened my eyes up to the lifestyle that I was living versus the lifestyle that I want to be living. I don't want to live in debt. I don't want to work every single day for the rest of my life having to pay back when you know, really, I could have afforded it up front. I think affording it and paying for something up front is a much better solution to our problems. So if you guys are struggling financially, whether or not, you know, even if you have your finances in order, I definitely recommend reading this book. Take it from somebody who's been there twice, who has over, you know, who has gone through bankruptcy twice and turned their life around. You know, learn from what Dave Ramsey has done with his finances and how he's built a financial empire and helped millions of other people do the same. So I will leave a link in the show notes below for the book. If you guys want to go over and check it out, um, it'll be on Amazon. But other than that, yeah, um, just want to thank you guys for taking the time out of your day to listen to this. If you found it beneficial, leave a rating for the show. Subscribe, you know, just leave any feedback that you can. It's all greatly appreciated. As always, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and we'll talk to you soon.